even though we've, you know, me and Nico, we've just met today, but like, you know, to me, I look at you as like a brother because you're out there, you know, setting the bar and, you know, setting a standard and being a role model to the younger ones. So for me, I'm just like naturally your biggest cheerleader because of the fact that we are connected and same with you Molly you know I love seeing all the stuff that you're doing and the fact that we have the same bloodlines and you know the the same background it, it is an instant connection. This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Gadigal people one of the 29 clan groups that make up the Eora Nation. We acknowledge the traditional owners who are connected to this land and acknowledge their unbroken connection and sovereignty to all the lands that now make up Australia. We extend that acknowledgement to all of the traditional owners connected to the country you may be listening to this podcast from. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Before we get into today's episode, we do want to warn listeners there is some content that could be triggering for some people. If there's anything that's brought up today that affects you, know there is someone out there to listen. Make sure you call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hello and welcome back to When We Grow Up, the podcast where we ask where we've been to know where we're going. We are your hosts. I'm Marley Silver. I'm Nico Hines. <laughs> Today. <laughs> getting to do that. <laughs> Today we are joined on these very comfy couches with the one and only Megsy Waters. Such a pleasure to have you. You're the host of Yokai Footy on NITV and you do millions of other things that we're going to get into, but thanks for being here. How does it feel? Thank you so much for having me. Well, I think first and foremost, congratulations to you two on creating this, um, you know, epic platform. I think it's really nice to, you know, have the banter that you guys do, but you've you've really uh, started to create some really important conversations. So I'm really proud to share this space with the two of you. Oh, appreciate that. That's all my doing. (laughs) That's all my idea. So Marley just comes in here and I got all the planning. I do all the planning. I do all the run sheet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) I think this is the first guest, Marley. He's brought on like every other guest that's been my doing. <laughs> that's a lie. No, nah. <laughs> that's a lie. No, it's not. It's straight away, it's a lie. I was the one who, anyway, we're not gonna do this argument. <laughs> we've got to be professionals. <laughs> how do you two, so, how do you two meet? Uh, just randomly, yeah, just I think through the gram, yeah, actually, which, the gram, yeah, through the gram. And you know, I think that's kind of what is really funny about the world that we live in mm. nowadays. And I think. Well, something for me, and I think first and foremost, you know, and we'll get stuck into it, but I'm a pretty passionate Waramungu Yaru woman. And mm-hmm. I think being, you know, being mob, all three of us, even mm-hmm. though we don't necessarily have like a long history of being mates, we don't go way back. I feel like our history goes mm-hmm. way back. So naturally that kind of connects us. And so even though we haven't really, you know, spent much time yeah. together, I think, you know, I've always been in your DMs, like yeah. cheering you on when you yeah. do epic shit and vice versa. And um, I think, you know, we're all three of us are naturally bound by the bound by the same thread. Sure. So I think um, it, it kind of elevates that connection a lot quicker, I reckon. Definitely. Well, lucky for you, unlucky for me that I've spent a lot of time with Marley. <laughs> I know we're about to move in together. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Already sick of each other. Um, I definitely want to talk about that in, in a little bit and actually leads into the first question that I have. But before we get there, we did warn you before we got on mic that we start all of our episodes by reflecting on a win and a challenge from the week gone by. So something that made you feel pretty good, something that maybe didn't feel so great. So, Nico, do you want to kick us off? Fuck you, man. (laughs) Okay. A challenge for me would be, I wasn't going to say it because it's fucking embarrassing and 
I get really self-conscious about things on my body. And I had a boil on my Dude. bloody cheek. And it's not my fault because I have five to ten showers a day. After everything I do, I shower. <laughs> so I'm blaming all my teammates here. <laughs> and every footy club would know that ringworms are a thing, sometimes boils, infections, because you're around each other having bar baths and ice baths. And so it gets around footy clubs. And I've been so proud of myself that I've never, ever had a boil in my whole entire life. Mm. In one game, I got a cut, a scratch, and then some of the boys had balls and they got infected, turned into one, and now I had, I had this big fucking lump on my side on of my the cheek. face too. Yeah. It was always a hard one to hide, isn't oh, it? Oh, seriously. Especially when you've got cameras on your face for your career. <laughs> yeah, remind me again. Let's have a look. It's, looking it's, fine, it's fine now. now. Yeah, it's fine now, but it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. So that was a big challenge. You can't be that clean because you had staff a couple of weeks ago too. <laughs> Are you right? Sorry, sorry. sorry. It was on my knee, <laughs> and I went into a, a spa bath and an ice bath, and then it, yeah. But that's sweet. Yeah, you go. If, anyway, what's your bring win? out all my flaws in front of everyone? <laughs> Keep um, you humble. As are you we said going challenges, everyone, or me into a win? Go straight into a win. Oh. Pressure's on. A win would be for me. So now the boil's gone. I can get back into my daily routine on going down for my morning swims, and because when I did have the infection, they wore me away from getting into the water in case it was dirty and it could make it worse. So, But now I'm back into my sunrise swims, my morning routine, start my day off right and uh, I feel good again. Beautiful. I love that. For me, a challenge. So I sit on the board of a couple of different charities and one of them is Cultural Choice Association, our big campaign every year. Uh, so we work with we run mental health programs in um, some schools on the Central Coast with some Aboriginal high school kids. It's always a great time. The kids are always amazing. But our big campaign sits around the NRL's Indigenous Round. So the kids like paint the footy boots of quite a few players. And every time we get to this point in the year where it's just about to happen, something happens. It's, you know, shit hits the fan in some way, shape or form. And I was so confident that we weren't going to have that this year. We employed someone. We had everything because as a board member, it's a volunteer position, but we didn't actually have an employee to run things. So all of us in our spare time try and pick up the pieces, but we finally had someone in place and they resigned last week, a week out from our biggest campaign of the year, which just stresses everyone out and obviously like, yeah, I've been involved in the organisation for a few years. So we have very deep personal connections to what we do. And it's very easy for me and everyone who's involved in the organisation to pour their whole selves into it and try and like solve all the problems and whatever, whatever. And I just didn't have the capacity to do so last week. And then I felt really guilty about it. You should. And I tried to like, it just was a bit of a nightmare and it just, yeah, I just felt so stressed about it and, yeah, that was like a real big challenge. But on the flip side, I like ended up seeing the end products, what the what the kids did that made me feel really good. And I would have to say that my win is sort of related in, in terms of having to do with a, a young fellow that I got introduced to by a friend of mine who's a teacher and um, she just told me that this student of hers is really passionate about wanting to work in sports media and she asked me if he could come and shadow me at ABC one day and originally it was sort of like oh we don't really usually do that but I was like nah stuff it I'm like finding some way to bring this kid in because I actually did U10 my U10 work experience was at NITV and that was so like transformative for me and I was like I can be you know in media because I've seen people like me so I was able to bring this kid into the space on on Friday which 
was definitely a massive win for me and he just was so stoked and texted me about 10 times after thanking oh. me so much. So, yeah, wins and challenges. This is seeing, this is life, up and down. What Megzi, Megzi, what have you got for yeah. us? Okay. Well, I love that, by the way. Nice. That's really special. And I think, you know, again, like coming back to being mob, it's really important that we, you know, um, create the pathways and, and those sorts of things. Good on you. My win and my challenge, I would say, is a bit of a combination. Firstly, I've been really busy this year. It's been probably like one of the busiest work years ever. And it's meant that obviously because of that, you're prioritizing that over kind of socializing. So I haven't seen my mates as much as normal and we're all a pretty tight group. We all live in the same neighborhood. So it's like, usually we just kind of, you know, go down to the local watering hole on a Friday, I'll go watch the footy and- Mount Martha? No, in no. um in Elwood at yeah, the right. at Blue Tongue, it's called. Shout out yeah. Blue Tongue. <laughs> Pretty much own shares in that place, basically. But um, yeah. So that hasn't been the case this year. And anyway, we had a friend's birthday on Saturday night, which was lots of fun. We all got together again. But I went in there. I was like, I'm not drinking. I'm you know I've got a massive week coming up this week with work, and of course that lasted zero seconds. <laughs> so I was like, my, my win is that I got to catch up with all my mates and we had a really great time. But the challenge is, is that, you know, I think because I haven't been as social and out and drinking and stuff as much lately, like, you know, having a bit of a late night really t- sets you back. And, mm. you know, Nico was speaking about your morning routine. Like I really value mine as well. And normally I'm up and about on a Monday morning, you know, sprightly getting out, going for a run or going for a walk and the snooze button got hit a fair <laughs> this morning. So, um, yeah, the challenge is, is just battling the hangover blues. They don't just last mm. one day for me no, they, no. these days. They're like a two or a three-day thing. So, um, Especially as we're getting older. Yeah. Oh, it's hard. It is. <laughs> I hate that. But, yeah, no, that's good that you got that space to to go and socialise though because, like you're saying, so busy. Hey, before we go on the next part, mm. so on Saturday night, did you have a dance? I did have a little bit of a dance. I had a boogie. Yeah, um, yeah let the hair, I well and truly let the hair down. Good. Okay, so if you let the hair well and truly down, did you have a club pash? Well, well, She's my boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> you can't do that. <laughs> Sorry, what's his name? His name's Ross. So, yeah, we Ross. had a few pashes on the D4. Good. Oh, okay. sure, yeah. <laughs> that's good. That's a, that's a good, healthy relationship that still does, like, club Well, obviously, pashing. I've been well prepared for this. <laughs> I've done my research. But, sorry, Ross. <laughs> hope they were nice pashes. You'll <laughs> <laughs> love that. <laughs> but I'm sure, well, I'm, yeah, you, you, I've heard you love a club pash, yeah, And this is so funny because he is such a fan for them no, more than I am no. anyway <laughs> I um, thought it was only fitting that we start with that age-old question that we as blackfellas are always asked when we meet someone which is who's your mob and where you're from and you kind of started to allude to that but yeah in that it would also be great to hear from your perspective yeah why is it so important that we we start those conversations like that absolutely well yeah first and foremost I'm a Waramungu Yaru woman and very passionate at that I grew up on Larrakia country so up in Darwin which I'm so grateful that I've kind of had that duality between living in Melbourne I think I've lived in Melbourne now for about 12 years Mm. but Darwin's will always be home for me it's where my family are so I try to get back there as much as possible and it really is like it it is a double life because they're complete worlds apart Mm. Melbourne and Darwin and so I'm really grateful that I have that kind of um, dual experience but you know I think it's we we didn't necessarily always grow up with heaps of people 
you know, especially in media and as role models and creating conversations, you know, we grew up in a bit of a different time. And I think there's always so much work to be done. And there's always changes that are, you know, going to need to be made. But I think, you know, creating conversations and, and just being real proud of where you come from and being proud of our, our Indigenous background is so important because mm-hmm. it creates that pathway, like you were saying mm-hmm. about that young follower, you know, it creates the um, opportunity for them to feel proud and, and opportunities and doors for, for the next gen. So mm-hmm. I think that's, yes, yeah, super important. Yeah. I always think like for non-Indigenous people who kind of hear us have um, those conversations of who's your mob, where you're from. And I remember once oh, in a previous life when I had like a proper nine to five job, having a colleague of mine be like really taken aback with me, you know, meeting someone and, and talking about that and figuring out how we're connected and whatever. And then being like, wow, that's like so amazing. And we take it for granted, I think in a lot of ways, but my favorite part of that when we talk about who our mob is and whatever, it's because we're looking for that connection. And I think that everyone can take something from that, whether you're black or not, if, you, if you're going into a conversation meeting someone wanting to connect, wanting to find things that we have in common or that's only a positive thing, right? 100%, yeah. And that's, you know, like what, what I was saying at the start, like even though we've, you know, me and Nico, we've just met today, but like as a, you know, to me, I look at you as like a brother because you're out there, you know, setting the bar and, you know, setting a standard and being a role model to the younger ones. So for me, I'm just like naturally your biggest cheerleader because of the fact that we are connected and same with you Molly you know I love seeing all the stuff that you're doing and the fact that we have the same bloodlines and you know the the same background it it is an instant connection absolutely oh I love that sort of stuff I'm so stoked to to have you on and yeah I've been such a big fan of what you do as well so to kind of put it in a nutshell you are a tv host that's why you speak so well yeah <laughs> thank I think, you I think you're doing a better job than Marley too <laughs> <laughs> you know what, I must say though I don't even know how we came about but I I think I followed you ages ago because you were somebody that obviously was like in this space and we'll get into it. But yeah. like this land, the media landscape for me is really foreign or at least it was when I got into it. So you were somebody that I was like, this is a chick that I need to kind of like, oh. you know, follow <laughs> and, you know, get behind her story because oh. it's all, you always need to have people, you know, walking the – Healthy competition too. Yeah, uh, competition. <laughs> no, there's just space different for everyone. Codes, different yes, codes. yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> but, yes, I mean you're, you're killing it in the, in the TV space. You also have a gym that you co-own and you are a Nike trainer and all these sorts of things. You're saying it's the busiest year of your life so far. How do you manage all of that? Yeah, it's so funny, like, and to kind of extrapolate it, like, this space. That's a big word. Extrapolate. I don't even know know. what that means. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I don't actually think I do either. Does it make sense? (laughs) Yes. Is it the right word? (laughs) Okay, great. (laughs) Um, Yeah, to kind of go back, like, for me, landing in the media space has been a massive door opener and it happened really randomly and I think it's kind of funny because all the things that I'm doing now are super connected and the reason that I even ended up as a co-host on Yokai Footy is because I've worked in the fitness industry predominantly for like the last eight years it's kind of been my adult life that's been my career you know going back to connection and and whatnot like I've met a lot of epic legends working in the fitness industry particularly in like the group fitness space and you know I've made some of my best mates are through that and 
one, it was like back in COVID days, I'd gone back up to Darwin because at that point, obviously the fitness industry had really shut mm. right down. And I was like kind of reevaluating whether or not I wanted to stay in the fitness industry. I'd gone back to Darwin and spent a few months there and I was able to spend some real quality time with my family. My grandpa was still alive at that point. So it was really special to be back there. And I was like, actually, shit, I think I could see myself relocating and being back in Darwin. Anyway, I was kind of, you know, as everyone did in COVID, really reevaluated like what was important and yeah. who, like, who am I mm. and um, what do I want to be doing? And it just created space, which was really good. And so anyway, I came back to Melbourne and was sort of figuring out, do I want to stay? Do I want to go? And in my mind, I had this intention that I was going to pretty much come back to Melbourne, kiss everyone goodbye, not not pash, no bashing, <laughs> no bashing. Then Ross wasn't around then, but no, there was no passion. Um, but I was going to kiss everyone goodbye and make my way back home. And one of my old clients from a boot camp that I used to teach in Elwood reached out to me and she was like, and at this point I'd kind of like turn my like universal radar on. Mm. I was like, you know, where am I supposed to be? And I'd kind of started thinking about all the things I wanted to be doing. And it was like once I'd flicked that switch, these opportunities started to present. And sort of um, waiting for something to drag you towards there and go, all right, that's where I'm meant to be. Yeah, it was so weird. It it was like almost happened instantaneously. Like it was sort of I flicked this switch in my mind and I was like, all right, opportunities, I'm ready for you. Like I'm open. And it was in that same week one of my old clients reached out and she was like, you know, look, I work on this show that already had a season done prior to me starting. She was like, we're looking to um, hire or cast the female Indigenous lead, like the co-host role. I know you don't have any media experience, literally none, not a second of, <laughs> but I reckon, you you know, you've got the gift of the gab. You can talk a bit of shit, like mm. you'll be right. You, you want to go, you know, try out for it. And I was like, you know what, fuck it, I've got nothing to lose, like everything to gain. And I had zero expectation that it was going to eventuate into anything further. For me, I was like, it'll, it'll just be the experience of going along to a job interview and, you know, that's always really good, good opportunity to learn. Mm. Anyway, yeah, so I was like, yep, cool, said yes, went to the job, went to the first audition, went really well and they called me back to do a chemistry catch-up with Tony who Mm. was a co-host at the time and we got along like a house on fire and then they started reading my references and I was like, oh, shit, like is this going to happen? (laughs) Not prepared for it at all. But, um, yeah, one thing led to another and before I knew it I was, yeah, getting ready to record a TV show at AFL House and for me I was like I didn't really, I didn't come from a footy playing background Mm. and I was just a fan and I just couldn't see how they were going to tie my story into this show at all. (laughs) But um, it worked out and, yeah, here we are three years down the track. So, yeah, it certainly opened some pretty exciting doors and, yeah, it's meant that the last, particularly since we've kind of come out of that really shitty COVID time, like there have been some really cool opportunities that have come up off the back of it. And, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It's But going back to your question, sorry, that was a real long-winded no, answer. No, that's but right. I think managing it, well, sometimes I actually don't manage it very well and that's the hardest thing is like, and I've actually kind of been in that space present of the last kind of month where the gym's been really kind of, taxing on time and energy so I've just had to pull back and just say put some boundaries in place and reached into my mindfulness toolkit again because I've been feeling pretty anxious lately with the workload and yeah I've got to got got to get the toolkit and at the moment I've been seeing a hypnotherapist and doing some mindfulness bits and pieces but um yeah it's it's always a battle trying to manage workloads yeah (laughs) it's amazing yeah what a cool story you do airlocker with Shandor 
Yeah. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. So Shandor, yeah, so we own um, Airlocker Brunswick, yeah. my business partner and I, but Shandor's always in and out. Of course, oh, you would have played together. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's a legend. So yeah, they're doing really well. I think we were maybe the 12th or 13th studio to open and now they've got heaps wow. more rolling out this year. Jeez, you like to keep your plate full. Hey, <laughs> just, just casually, just co-owning a gym and being a TV host and all those sorts of things. But, yeah, good to know you've got that in mind, that that mindfulness and looking after yourself. Hey, I don't know if we're going to touch on it a bit later, but you talk about your mindful tool kit bag. I don't know if you had a plan to ask your questions later, but what, when did you start getting into, like, the mindfulness and really worrying about, you know, your mind, your mental health and that's probably the most important part of being a successful person, I believe. So when did you start believing in that? 100%. Oh, my mindfulness practices have evolved heaps over the years. I think for, like it's, I mean, and with this podcast, it extends back way back. Uh, my sister's always been like a real spiritual kind of woo-woo person. And, <laughs> woo-woo. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, she would always be doing like hands-on healing and Reiki mm-hmm. and stuff with me from a young age. And I think I really started to create my own mindfulness toolkit over the last, I would say probably like during COVID mm-hmm. really like was when I really got into it because obviously that time was mega challenging for everyone. And it was like, fuck, my my mind is just not in a good place. What I have to do something about it. And yeah, that was when I really started to do the work. And, you know, at that point I was sort of seeing a kinesi and I had a lot of health stuff going on as well at that time. So I was trying to you know, see a psychologist to manage what was going on with all my, because I have an um, autoimmune condition and seeing it, you know, a specialist for that. And so I was doing a lot of work and I found things like journaling at that time really yep. beneficial because I had a lot going on in my mind. You know, you talked about being self-conscious about skin stuff and that was a lot of stuff that I went through. So I had to lean into writing a lot mm. to express how I was feeling. And so, yeah, I would say like COVID really amplified that mindfulness space for me. And it's now something that I'm like, it's probably one of my biggest passions. Yeah. Mm, yeah I love that. Well, we're going to get more into it, just conscious of getting too far ahead of ourselves before we bring up some photos for you to look at. You don't like leading questions then. <laughs> Jesus. The first picture that I wanted to bring up, which you'll be able to see behind you in a moment, is this Cute little bubba. <laughs> little fat gal. <laughs> You've got your hands on your hips. You're just in a nappy, it looks like. <laughs> and you're smiling, nice toothy smile there. The big pegs are out. <laughs> How old are you in this photo? I reckon in this picture I'm about probably three, I would say, between two and three. And, you know, obviously when you look at a photo like that, I don't necessarily remember being that old but it was when I when I looked at that picture I was like it's just so wild to look back at yourself like that like you almost forget that holy shit that little tiny egg was me once upon a time and at that point all that I knew and all that I was learning was like how to eat and like maybe how to say mum and dad and like how to you, count to 10 yeah <laughs> literally apple banana like that's the stuff that you're learning at that point your brain is so innocent and impressionable and yeah it's pretty wild to think you know 30 something years on from that now like how old are you 
I'm turning 35 Holy this Jesus. year. You look 20, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> I thought you were turning 40, but. Oh. No, <laughs> I know. So, yeah, that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> no wonder yeah. you weren't club passion. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I learnt my lessons the hard way. But, yeah, speaking of lessons, I just think back and I'm mm. like, holy shit, I've, um, yeah, really in, because in the, in the grand scheme of life, 30 years, like, yeah, not that long really, but. I've certainly crammed some lessons into it. But I think what's so funny about this picture and like what, you know, when I look at it, I kind of think like, fuck, nothing's changed. Like that's still the same person. Like, and I've always been the type of person to be pretty, I would say pretty confident. And I always like to be in front of a camera and, you know, I think because I was the only kid to my mum and dad, like my, I've got brothers and sisters, but they're all heaps older, like in their, I, I think my sister was 17 or 18 when I was born. Oh. So she's got a kid that is closer in age to me than what they were with me growing oh. up. So my nephew is more like my little brother, really. Yeah. yeah, I just think it's funny how I've still got so many of the same qualities I always like to <laughs> me and my high school mates would always like be you know coming up with these big storylines and filming you know filming little shows and stuff so yeah I find it kind of funny that um even all this time has passed I still see myself as that little girl oh yeah what was your um earliest memory of your first dream of what you wanted to be when you're older if you could remember from that age but might be like a year or two later I always well you know sport has always been a big thing for me and I think going back to well, representation and, and being mob and, and that kind of thing, like one of my like ultimate idols and role models when I was growing up was Kathy Freeman. Like I remember Kathy Freeman like walking out in that full piece, just like that is such a vivid memory of my, my mind and I was always a real sporty kid growing up and I think because I, I wasn't the only child but I kind of grew up in my house as the only child. So for me like going to school or like going and playing sport was like my favourite thing because it meant that it was an opportunity to interact with other people and other kids. And so I always thought that I would end up being like a deadly star netballer or something (laughs) like that. So I didn't quite get there, unfortunately, but I think it's still relative to what I do kind of now, I guess. It's so wild because I reckon every blackfella I know around sort of, yeah, our ages – says they remember that moment and how influential it was. That's for me is my earliest memory is jumping up and down in my lounge watching Kathy cross and losing my mind when she's walking around with the flag. Like I just remember, like I was five years old, but I knew it was such a huge deal. Yeah. And I think that that is the prime kind of metaphor for how important representation is. Oh, yeah, 100%. You hit the nail on the head. Yeah. And I think like, you know, it's so great to see like you know, it was kind of few and far between back then but now you know especially like with you boys like there's mm. so many brother boys out there playing rugby and footy and like you know us working in media mm. like there's just there is a lot more representation nowadays than there was which is great mm. yeah for sure so there was another photo that you showed me but it's not going to be up on the screen <laughs> oh, wow. um, because I'm respecting the boundaries but <laughs> in the dms you were like this is not for the show, but this is what I don't know what I'm doing. Clearly, just having a good time. Having a, a bit g- like what you did on the weekend. Hoot. I'm assuming that was sort of like late teens, early 20s. Back then, what was the biggest hurdle you were facing? 
Yeah, I think. And were you still in Darwin? Still in Darwin. Yeah. And to describe the photo that I sent Molly, it was like the Darwin Cup. Have you ever been to you would have yeah, been to Darwin. The, been to Darwin. So Darwin Cup's like the equivalent of I don't know, Melbourne Cup, but very, you know, Darwin style. <laughs> and um I, I mean I've always been a real social character and I love my mates and I love having a good time and yeah the photo I sent Molly was me with my shoes off like bent over and blind drunk <laughs> um just looking like that was my trash bag era I call it. um and you know I think it's funny I think um speaking about it, I guess a challenge from that mm. period was that you know I played sport up until my late teens and I loved it. I was really good at netball and I was really good at touch footy. But Touch footy, yeah. Yeah, it was, and they, you know, go away and represent the NT from, for the, each code and, and I loved it. But then I kind of got to that age of, you know, kind of discovering boys mm. and, you know, <laughs> booze and, you know, that kind of became a bit of a distraction, I guess. Um, and that was probably quite a challenge because it meant that I didn't really become super focused at that age on exactly what I wanted to do. Mm. And I found it kind of challenging leaving school because I loved school so much because of the social component of it. And I, I mean, I wasn't really a very good learner. I don't know what it is, but I mean, I was, I excelled in classes like PE and outdoor ed and drama, but the learning side of school was really challenging for me. So when all my mates were going off to go to uni and stuff, I was a little bit lost because I kind of, you know, my, I wasn't really, I could see that sport wasn't going to be the thing that took me somewhere. Mm. I wasn't quite good enough. And yeah, obviously I didn't have as much direction. So I, kind of got lost in a little bit of that distraction phase for a while and anyway I ended up deciding that I wanted to travel and um, went and moved overseas for a couple of years which was really good because that mm. I think life skills are invaluable and even though I didn't go to uni to learn you know anything necessarily I learned a lot of life skills by traveling at a young age yeah that kind of cemented a few things for me when I got back I just knew that I wanted to be as much as I loved Darwin, it meant that I wanted a little bit more opportunity and I knew that I wasn't going to get it there. And so that was what kind of sparked the move to Melbourne. But yeah, I would say it wasn't a natural kind of journey for me to get to the point where I am now with kind of knowing exactly what I wanted to do. It's been a bit of a grind mm -hmm. to get there. Why was, Melbourne? That's yeah, exactly why did you Melbourne? At the time, well, actually, when I was living over in the UK, I met a boy over there and he had the opportunity to come over to Australia and it was between Sydney or Melbourne. And we, I had already had a couple of friends in Melbourne. And so it was like between either here or there. And I, I think it was just the fact that I had already had some relationships formed there. And that's kind of, that's kind of what took me there initially. I had no idea that I was going to end up staying there and really kind of, being pretty grounded there now it's definitely home away from home and I don't see myself kind of being anywhere else for this foreseeable future but um yeah it, it's um it's paid off because I, yeah. I love it it's it, other than now when it starts to get cold I'm always like yeah. take me back to Darwin <laughs> yeah Melbourne is beautiful I love yeah I love my time there it is it's a great city and I think one thing we haven't really heard yet and is a big question I have considering that you are the co-host of a an AFL show. Where does footy come into your your life, and yeah, what role did it AFL, play? Not footy. Well, she calls it footy. <laughs> her footy. You're in Sydney now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in NRL country. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What part did it play in your life? Like, did you play any of it at all, or yeah, how how is that? I guess like yeah, now it's such a big part of your life. But what was it growing up? 
Well, funnily enough, growing up, I I played a little bit of footy when I was young, but it just, I mean, we all know my age now. I'm so sad that that came out. A bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, obviously back then there wasn't as much opportunity to play footy, yeah. AFL for girls. Um, and that's why I ended up playing touch footy. And my dad was a massive rugby league supporter. Like I actually grew up more of a rugby league follower than footy in my household but he was from Brisbane but of course like we were into all sports like most most dads and most men are so we'd always kind of flick between the footy you know of the weekend and for me it was it my connection to footy which is kind of yeah you know random that I've ended up as a co-host is that it's purely just from a fan fan base I guess didn't uh, get the opportunity to really follow through with it because it just wasn't a thing and that is something that I'm really so proud and I mean it's happening in the NRLW as well but like like sports for women this is just such an exciting time for young women particularly to to just have so much more opportunity. It makes me like gets my heart excited because I, you know, I've got one of my one of my cousins, she's more like my sister, but she's got 13 kids. Wow. Um and yeah, and a lot of the young the, all of the girls that are kind of in their teens in my in that little that little tribe, they're all playing footy. Yeah. And it's awesome especially one of my little nieces Michaela I think she's about 16 now and she's like 100% going to end up playing AFLW because <laughs> she's so good. good. Yes, it's really good to see that that's sort of changed. Mm. Being a fan and and having like the conversations that you do now with athletes, I find often there's so much passion in an interviewer's voice when they just love the sport and they love what you're doing. One of the things that, yeah, I've really admired that you've done in your role in the last kind of, yeah, 12 to 18 months is, and it's unfortunate that you've had to do it, but to speak out about a lot of the racism that a few of the AFL boys have copped, it has felt quite intense for whatever reason. But yeah, tell us a, a bit about that because it is it's also hard being that vulnerable when it is so personally affecting on on that stage. Yeah, and I mean you 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 guys would have had to have been in that space before too with what you do and it is tough. Like sometimes it's like, you know, you could go into go into a week feeling really excited and like really pre- prepared for work and then the next thing you know, know something comes out in the news and it's like immediately it just like dampens your spirit knowing that like how we still having to address this and and sometimes it feels like it's just like week in week out and Mm. I just don't think that I guess I understand in a way why for non-Indigenous people it is hard to understand because Mm. they don't have like they've never had to experience racism before and you know like talking about our shared history like our mom's been through some of the toughest stuff over the last you know 200 plus but however many you know 60,000 years Mm. our culture has been what it is and you know thinking back even just to my grandfather who I sort of briefly mentioned before Mm. he was he's like the king of our family and he was part of the stolen generation Mm. and you know just hearing what he went through and to be able to actually sit next to him on a couch and hold his hand and have a yarn and like Mm. still think that how did we live through this time not even that long ago so yeah it brings up it brings up a lot of trauma Mm. when you have to constantly address that stuff and I think it is hard for people that haven't been through that or haven't experienced racism to really understand the depths of it and 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 why it is so challenging for us Mm. I just uh, grinds my gears talking about it eh? like I just don't get it how people can sit there and constantly boo someone who is entertaining you you know Mm. what I mean like picture that 
as your son or your brother or your family member mm. getting booed 24-7 on the, on the big stage purely for your entertainment. Like you wouldn't do it. So why do it to someone else's son or brother or kid, you know? like mm. uh, It's weird. It I, I agree. I just I, – it's, it's obviously it kind of – Kind of that speaks to the person though, really, doesn't it? Because yeah. I agree. I'm like, I don't even hang around with anyone who would, yeah. you know what I mean? It feels like, out of the realm of possibility. Yeah, like you just it's just a weird thing, and like yeah. people that are just not nice and have negative opinions of people. And I mean, it's not even just mob. Like I think that anyone who has even a second of their day to waste their breath mm. on saying something hurtful or negative about another person, especially if it's a person that you don't know, it's like. Yeah. What what a waste of time. What a waste of energy. Yeah. I think the one that really, really affected me recently was Jamara Yugelhagen. Him getting really upset in the post interview and whatever. I just ugh, I think we were talking about it as well. Because you just remember this is a kid, this is a baby who just wants to to play footy, just wants to play footy, as he said. And I wonder, yeah, with you and the platform that you have on the show, like how do you manage, I guess there's a, there's a responsibility there and, of course, when something like that happens, everyone sort of, like, we all experience this, right? I remember it being in high school still, like, it, in, if anything to do with Buffaloes was raised, it's kind of everyone turns and looks at you in the room and you have that mm. in a media, you know, national reaching sense. How do you manage that responsibility? Yeah, it can be really hard and, like, taxing on your own mental well-being too, like, you know, because, like I said, it not only are you addressing what happened like to Jamara, for mm. example, but like then unfortunately you can't help but reflect on like the things that, you know, I've experienced in my time or like, you know, my mom or like it. it's not just that one isolated incident because it brings up so much more for you. And yeah, to be honest, hence why, you know, we talked a little bit about the, the mindfulness mm. kit, like that's another time where I really need to lean into that pull out the tools that I need to help me get through it in, in those sorts of times because it is it is hard but in the same breath it is also something I feel really, you know, it's a responsibility and it's one I don't take lightly, like to have a voice and to have a platform to to educate because, you know, as I said, I, I also do have an element of understanding why some people don't maybe don't get it because mm-hmm. they've never experienced it or, you know, they've unfortunately been brought up with racism normal is normal for mm-hmm. them. You know, they hear it in their house. And so, you know, for a lot of people, they have to change their mindset and that's a really hard thing to do for a lot of people. So mm-hmm. I think, you know, I really try to approach it from an uh, awareness and an understanding place. And, you know, just, I think the more that we have these conversations though, and the more that we share because I think when you share your own vulnerability and share how much it hurts you or like affects you, people are a little bit more inclined to um, resonate mm-hmm. with that. So yeah, it's definitely not a responsibility that I take lightly and one I'm really proud to have. Yeah. But yeah, it's hard. Mm. It's hard sometimes. For sure. The next photo that I wanted to bring up is probably one that's hard for you to talk about as well, admittedly. I saw the clip of your first ever time on Yokai and you said that you wanted to bring this photo along with you so you had this person with you for that new step in your journey and, yeah, we've just got it behind you. It's you giving your your beautiful late dad a hug. Um, yeah, tell us about this photo and the story behind it. Yeah, it's a special one and it's like I look at it and I'm like, gosh, you know, even that, like that was this coming up to nine years now since I've lost my dad. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, for me he was my 
best mate like mm. you know a massive part of my life of course my dad so and I think like going through this so he had a terminal illness he yeah. had cancer mm. and so it's really hard to watch the one pillar of strength in your life your father figure really kind of rapidly deteriorate to something that's so out of anyone's control there was a really challenging time not just for me but my whole family and so I look back and actually when I was looking through my um, Instagram and something that like, I think is really cool that you guys um, actually do this, like it was really nice to actually have a little bit of time to reflect and scroll yeah. back through some pics because mm-hmm. our lives are so fast forward these days. I, f- I forget what I had for breakfast yesterday, <laughs> let alone, you know, nine years ago or however long. So um, really nice opportunity to reflect. But this was photo was actually probably the, one of the last times I gave him a hug because that was taken in 2000. Uh, sorry, February 2014, and we lost him in July. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, like, it's a special memory for me and it wasn't even planned. Like, it was a real, it was just, like, happened really raw that that photo was snapped. But, yeah, I mean, for me, I guess grief and, and losing somebody so pivotal in your life teaches you a lot. It makes you really resilient and it's a big part of why I ended up working in the fitness industry and I've said this before and one of the biggest lessons that I was left with through this experience with losing my dad was that um, one of the last things um, or one of the biggest conversations that stick in my mind from having with him at, at this point was he was he said, you know, one of the biggest things in my life that I regret is that I didn't take better care of my health and um yeah, that, that kind of changed the course of what I've spent my time doing now career-wise, why I'm so passionate about movement and mindfulness and all that stuff because when you don't have your health, you don't have a great deal of yeah. much else. And and I saw that firsthand with him and it was really tough to go through that. But, you know, it's also taught me a lot. It's created a, a, a path for me, a, yeah. a, a, a career path. So mm. as equally sad as I am grateful about that lesson. Mm. And obviously there's the emotional side of grief, but you also had a physical experience and it triggered psoriasis for you. So could, yeah, you explain part of that? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. And, and I think that's it too, like far out. Like when pain and, and trauma goes unaddressed, for me anyway, it manifested through my health, which was funny because it was like I really had to kind of really had to do the work and I'm glad that you asked Nico before like when did you yeah when did you lean into that toolkit because that was the point that a lot changed for me with my own health but you know those first few years after losing dad and you know I was going through a few other things at that time personally that were really challenging as well and a lot of it was compounding and instead of instead of doing anything to deal with it I did everything tried to try to avoid you know I'd partied a lot and you know probably ended up in not the right relationships it also created some 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 bad things for me as well and just used all of that as a band-aid and so yeah I think naturally from that because all of this stuff was just like festering like literally inside of me I had to come out somewhere and it came out through having and getting an autoimmune condition Mm. like psoriasis and so I really resonate with what you said before Nico about like having that boil on your face like there would be times where I would be like covered like head to toe like red sores flaky like dandruffy stuff in my hair and like you just feel so like unlovable and unworthy and just gross um so it really took like a lot to get out of that space Mm. so what's it called psoriasis Psoriasis. the people that 
don't understand what listening. So that's just you just get in flame skin and while well, you're saying the flakiness and that. Yeah, so oh, yeah. it it's an it's autoimmune. So a lot of it from for me, what I identified that a lot of it um, was from internal. So mm. I think there was an element of like obviously was you know not eating very well at the time and probably drinking you know you know partying a little bit way too much at that period in my life because that was like the numbing agent for yep. me at that stage. And so I was it was like hard because I was like also working in the fitness industry and wanting to pursue this passion of mine that I'd, I'd come about. But I also just hadn't learnt to deal with the baggage that I was carrying around. So yeah, it, it's, it was really bad. Like I would just have all these sores all over me to the point, like it created actually. And I mean, I would, I never want to say that I like was depressed because I never was clinically diagnosed as like I had depression or anything like that. So I don't want to use that terminology, but I would at one point when I had it, from the top of my head to the bottom of my toes, like my whole body was just oh, covered. Yeah. It was horrible. It was like a real dark time for me. Like my mum had to fly to Melbourne and we went through like a really big series of healthcare sort of stuff mm-hmm. at that point. So, yeah, big journey yeah. and really challenging. I think we have a photo that you sent me of, yeah, that with all over your face. Like yeah, this is, yeah, it's kind of wild that this is a big part of your story because – I'm not 100% sure what's happening with my skin, but I'll show you actually. I've got long sleeves on. I have scars on here from, well, I've always just thought it was eczema because that's what I used to have as a kid, but it was triggered by, yeah, a really stressful sort of year in my life, probably eight years ago now. Mm. And I've got it at the moment. I've had a massive flare up over the weekend, like up and down my legs really bad and I've even got stuff on my back and whatever. And it's something that, I know is deeply affected by my mental health and it and but again like I don't know do you think that there's not a lot of education around the way that that affects you physically because I think it's something that I've just gone oh I've just got to keep using QV cream and I'll be fine um, but it's not and I've I've just not properly like fixed it mm-hmm. yeah it's like so integral yeah. to the healing process I think mm. for me it was like really understanding that like a lot of what this was from was from how badly I manage my mental health. Mm. It usually stems from inflammation. Mm. And as we know, like stress, as much as food and things like that, alcohol, all those, those mm. things create inflammation. So does stress. Mm. So a massive, like that's probably 90% of me getting to a good point with it has come down to the fact that I've done a lot of work on my mental health Mm. so much. And so also just getting to the point too that like you become accepting of like the fact that this is part of my story and it's part of who I am, unfortunately. It's not like I chose to have it, but I can't sit there and, you know, wake up every day and look at myself in the mirror and be like, fuck, you're gross. Like that's Mm. just not productive to anything. So yeah, learning to flip the narrative on your mind about that kind of stuff made a big difference to mm. getting to the point that I'm at today with it. Yeah. So are you some do you feel like through it you've become better at listening to your body and uh, yeah, just kind of addressing things as they come up? Yeah, 100% and you know, I think first and foremost like yeah, getting to that kind of mental well-being space like regardless of whether you have a skin condition or whatever it might be like as I said before we are living in like a really hectic world Mm -hmm. like there's just so much going on and we you know for a lot of us like we've all got our own shit in and our own stories so learning to find 
what's in your toolkit to be able to manage those things is really, really important. And I think, yeah, for me, um, once I got control of managing my my headspace and my mental wellbeing, I was like, my well, like so many doors and my health got better, work got better, everything's kind of yeah. When you when you gain that self awareness, and I think I heard you talk about that um, on the potty that you were, had with Jared on, just like getting to know yourself is the number one way to get get your shit together. For sure, for sure. It all starts in the mind, doesn't it? Mm. No shit. matter what you do, like if you're a professional athlete, you're what you guys do on on TV or if you're a lawyer, you're a teacher, whatever, like everything always starts in the mind. So I'm so glad you spoke about that because that's a message I try to send. You probably just word it a lot better than I do. But, <laughs> yeah, regardless of what you do, like it just everything stems from your mind. Yeah. And like I never really knew they could get like sort of skin conditions you guys get mm. through mental illness or mental health stuff. So, yeah, it's just crazy how much like it's more we need to – make it aware about how important your mental health is. Yeah. Not just because you want to commit suicide or you have a depression, like it's because of these sorts of things as well. It's not just what everyone sees out, everyone talks about. It's about these underlying issues as well. Yeah, and that's what you said about like education and I think like, you know, why I share so openly about my psoriasis story because like the more that we speak about it, the more that people are have an opportunity to learn and, and benefit them. And I mean like I'm really open with the things that I've, really benefited from with my journey with you know getting my health on track and all that kind of stuff and it's the simple things but for me it's like three the three like non-negotiables mindfulness things that are like my go-tos always is journaling is a big one and it's not something that I do necessarily every day maybe I should it probably would help me (laughs) a bit more regularly (laughs) but it's always like the number one thing that I go to when I need to just like express my what's going on internally and then also just like actually just breathing and I know like you know we're breathing we have to breathe to bloody stay alive but to actually just carve out time at least once a day to shut my eyes no matter it could be anywhere like I did it in the Uber on the way here because you know you're a little bit nervous about things and to just like for like a minute just shut your eyes connect to your breath and just listen to the sounds around you and I find that like such a powerful tool to just drop me back into the present and take me out of the circus that my mind is sometimes and the other one is affirmations Mm -hmm. and I think when you've when you've got a skin condition or something like that and when a lot of the things that create that it creates for me is like self-loathing thoughts and negative cycles in my mind it's almost like tricking my brain with affirmations. So, you know, sometimes I'd stand in the mirror like when I had all that stuff on my face and I'd, I'd just see like ugly and gross and unlovable. Like instead of that, I got really good at every day I'd get up and I've got this like list in my notes in my phone of affirmations and instead I would stand in the mirror and read my affirmations and be like, I am beautiful, I am like kind, I'm smart, I'm funny, I'm whatever. And doing that every day, it was like my – it was like just – quietening my subconscious yeah. voice and, and making my voice louder. And I think the power that that has is, is really um, is really big. Yeah. That is very powerful. Yeah, what, I like that. What great tips. That's so good. The last photo that we wanted to bring up is of a pretty recent one of you in store, in a Nike store with your beautiful face up on a wall there. Yeah, this is pretty incredible what an achievement yeah do you want to explain what what your new newest one on the list is (laughs) yeah wow it was um yeah that was a pretty like 
massive moment for me this one and the reason why this photo is so special to me is because it reminds me it it like reminds me of the little girl in the first photo like that little fat girl who's <laughs> just like smiling with the teeth out like I look at this photo and then I compare it to that and I'm like that's who that's who of that little girl is and you know along the way I've had my ups and my downs and it's been mega challenging at times and I've and I've not felt like that little girl in the first first photo or the the girl that's in this photo here but um yeah the Nike role for me is like it's an absolute dream come true you know somebody that's worked in the fitness industry for a long time I mean it's it's Nike like it's massive and um something that you know, even just like manifesting and stuff like that. You know, I, mm. I don't know. We've this not even something that we've really talked about, but it's something that I really, um, really believe in. And I had when during COVID, one of the things that I did was I got a hundred post-it notes, and I wrote on each post-it note, and they were in my bedroom because I was obviously had nothing better to do <laughs> with my time. So I was like, had all these post-it notes, and on it, I'd written like. A um, hundred different things that I wanted to achieve over the next ten years, and it was like lots of things. You know, eventually becoming a good mum one day. I think I did this maybe three years ago now, but you know, owning my own business and rah rah rah, and being like part of a global brand like Nike. I didn't specifically say Nike, but that was um that was on the wall. It was wow. one of the post-its, and you know that just having something that I looked at and saw every day. Um, I think you know it's crazy to think that, like that was something that was like this deep desire in me, and I just had no idea how it was going to come about. Or it was like it was just a dream, like mm-hmm. it wasn't reality at all. So yeah, to look at that photo and think like, geez, I've come a long way, and I've really had to put a lot to work in to get to this point but I'm really it's something I'm really really proud of and I'm excited like there's heaps of fun stuff coming up and yeah I feel like I think the biggest thing that makes me feel proud of that is knowing that I've really put the work in to get there. I think I would be a lot more uh, happier or you know, I think it would be a bigger deal if it was Puma but oh. <laughs> it's not Puma, it's Nike so no, it's, it's okay. <laughs> It's okay. Sorry, you had sorry, to say Mr. That, had Puma. To say that. It's a, you know, it's a good accomplishment, but it'll be a bigger deal. Than <laughs> Love it. Uh, Healthy competition. Yeah, for sure. I think that you, with the post-it notes, that almost is exactly like the affirmations. Like you were waking up and you're looking at those things in the same way that you're looking at the affirmations. You're making yourself believe them. And so you would make yourself believe that you could achieve those dreams. And that's part of that manifestation, right? Like... You, you know you can go for it so you're subconsciously or consciously striving for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that some that to really simplify it and I'm, ab- I'm absolutely not an expert at all in this space but I think like I, it's like we have something like 70,000 thoughts or something mm. a day and, you know, imagine if like even just half of those thoughts were like positive ones and good ones and ones that we were really conscious of and that's why I think just feel like there's so much power in these little tools and yeah our subconscious can be a real fucker sometimes Mm. like it can really it can be really damaging and so I feel like it's just like tricking your mind Mm. with those little things but when you're doing it it's like you have to do it it's not like you just oh yeah cool do it once or like I've journaled once or I've read my affirmations once like you have to really you have to be consistent with it in order for it to kind of pay off but Mm. if you form a really consistent practice like those things 
Well, I mean, that's I think that's yeah. a massive testament to it, and I and I really credit because I've formed a, a pretty good relationship with my mind. And don't get me wrong, like I go through some real shit times all the time, but mm. it's like immediately when I know that I'm going through the the shit, like I like I have lately, I've been in a not very good headspace. So. I, but I don't want to sit in that space for too long because why would you want to? Mm. Instead, I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? What things am I going to pull out the, the box today? <laughs> and recently I've been doing hypnotherapy and going around to my mate's house. She's got a full setup with like hot, cold therapy. And, and you know, I just, it's like knowing and being self-aware enough to know, okay, I'm not in a good place. So what am I going to do to change that? Mm. For sure. Well, I'll leave it it to Nico to ask the last question that we always ask. Well, you've already sort of answered it, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So picture Megsy as you are now looking into a mirror and there's young Megsy there staring right back at you. What would young Megsy be thinking of you right now? Wow. It's, um, yeah, I think she'd just be thinking, you're pretty cool. (laughs) You know, like, so you sound like a bit of a dick saying that about yourself. But, like, I think that that little girl that we brought up at the start would just be really like proud. Proud's a big word for me this year and it's something that I haven't always felt and so it's kind of like my word of the year is just like proud at the moment because yeah, I've I've I have achieved a fair bit and it's really nice to acknowledge that and I think if I was to say something to that little girl and you know, I'd let her know that you're going to feel a lot of feelings. And you're going to cry and and times are going to be really tough and you're going to lose people that you really love and that's part of life. But ultimately you've got a good crew around you. I've got good family, thankfully. I've got fucking legend mates. Like I've got a really good solid network and that, you know, when the times get tough, you've, you've got to, you, you'll, you'll be right, you'll get through them. So yeah, she's she's proud. Oh, I love That's that. That's a great answer. So much. Mark's probably one of the best we've had. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah. I'll Thank take you. that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for this chat. It's just been yeah, so amazing. I think you've you've got so much wisdom in what you've been through and you gave such great advice and have an incredible story and you should know that there's I'm sure plenty of young Aboriginal girls who sort of look up to you and want to be like you one day. It's yeah, it's amazing. I think that I I feel so proud of you. Like even though, you know, as we've said, we, we don't really know each other that well, but it is. I love watching you succeed in the way that you do. I love the Move It With Megsy segment on Yokai. <laughs> like I just think that you are impacting people in a lot of ways and I'm, I'm glad that you feel like that younger self will be proud of you because you should be massive. i got one more question Ooh. before we go. <laughs> Since you're a really, really good TV host and you're successful, Got any advice for Marley how to be a good TV host? <laughs> nah, no advice. I would just say keep being you. Thanks. <laughs> Come on, give us something. Uh, Wait until you, you see me do it first and then give me some like critical yeah, feedback. Yeah. Yeah. No, actually I have watched you do it. And like I said, it's funny because it's just funny for me because I I think I followed you, like I said before, yeah. like you were somebody that I was like looking up to and so it's funny how the fall goes and he goes rolling his eyes. <laughs> but it's funny how things come full circle, yeah. hey, and like, you know, I was looking at you because I was like, fuck, what am I doing here? Like I need to look at what I, what other young girls, you know, how, how they're handling themselves in this space. So, um, 
Yeah, just keep being deadly. Oh, thank you. I want you to give each other a cuddle and a kiss. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nah, thanks for joining us, Megzi. It was a great chat. Yeah. Really thanks, appreciate you joining thanks, us. Thanks, brother. Yeah, it's, um, I'm proud of you too and I'm excited to listen to um, hey, why you look at me and give me some love yeah. and tell me how you are. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, team. Love your work. Thank you for listening to this episode of When We Grow Up. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you're listening. You can follow Megsy on Instagram. It's just at Megsy, isn't it? Mm-hmm. With a YY. Me- Two Ys. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she only wrote one Y. Oh, and well, an underscore. And an underscore. <laughs> wow. We'll link it in the show notes. Don't worry. Wow. Um, and other than that, we'll catch you next time. <laughs> <laughs>